let us take a few minutes to consider uh, crucial points in the verses that we just read. Focusing on Romans 12.5 and one particular part of it. We who are many are one body in Christ. So here you have the many believers. And these many believers are, in this case, in the church in Rome. When you came to the conference or at any other church meeting, the ushers do not have some kind of um, special device that will check whether or not you are in the organic union with Christ. One can be in the church as the Corinthians were. They really were the church of God at Corinth. But most of them were either soulish or fleshly or even fleshy. So on the level of a local church, as long as someone has been regenerated, has the common faith in Christ, they may be in the church whether or not they exercise the Spirit, walk according to the Spirit, you can in some outward way be in the church. But this does not extend to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is an organism and it's helpful, I think, if we present a parallel symbol and that is the vine with the branches. So Christ said, I am the true vine. You are the branches. If branch A is to experience the reality of the vine, branch A has to actually abide in the vine. Otherwise, this branch can only have a doctrine of the vine or maybe an image of the vine. So the, the vine with the branches equals the body with the members. Now, just as the body is a reality, the vine is a reality. It's not physical, we can't see it. And the Lord's clear word to us is, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. I have observed, beginning with my own uh, mistake, that unintentionally we may reverse the order of the Lord's word. I asked 
some brothers this morning or, or said, I don't know how you wake up in the morning. Are you a hind let loose as soon as you're conscious? Are you leaping and skipping in resurrection life? If you are, then that's just wonderful. But I grope to consciousness. Then I have to recall where I am. I sleep in many different beds and many different time zones. And I have awakened in my bed at home in Anaheim, fully conscious of the fact that I was in a hotel in Kuala Lumpur. The jet lag does this. So my point is, I wake up, and the sooner the better, I have to begin an exercise all over again. The Lord said, you abide in me, you be one with me, you be in the Spirit, and I will abide in you. But is it not the case that we would like the Lord to abide in us first? I'd like to wake up. And I just sense the Lord living in me, He's moving in me, He's abiding in me, He's blessing me, He's gracing me. Then I just spring into the Spirit. But that's not what He said. He said, you abide in me, and then I experientially will abide in you. <clears throat> now, in essence, the true vine is Christ as the life-giving spirit. The branches are the believers regenerated in their spirit. And to abide in the vine is to live in the mingled spirit. Because the vine in its reality is the Spirit. We have been grafted into the vine in our regenerated spirit. This transaction has taken place once for all. But experientially, we may not be in this reality. So the Lord says, you abide. So I need to turn my heart to the Lord, open my mouth, exercise, and contact the Lord. The reason I mention this is the body as a reality exists in our union with Christ. We who are many are one body in Christ. So just as the branches experience the reality of the vine by abiding in the vine, we live in the reality of the body by being where the body is. It's an organism. And we are one body when we are in Christ experientially. 
then we'll go on to see that other things need to happen. But as we dwell in this union with Christ, the blessed organic union, the more we are here, the more we begin to experience the life that is circulating in the body. And the more we are conscious of the fact that we are part of this organism. Now let me try to indicate how marvelous this is. Brother Nee has a message on ministering life. And by the time he gave this message, he really knew the body in a profound way. So he says this, a member of the body experiences Christ's life in a particular way. And immediately, the life that member has experienced flows into the body. This is how Brother Nee ministered those 20 years. He pointed out, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You are touching life. You are in the body. Now the body flow, the life flows into the body. The body of Christ, with the all-inclusive spirit, brings to us not only the triune God in his economy, but the experiences of untold numbers of members of the body whose experiences are now part of the life circulating in the body. It is because of this realization that Paul had the assurance when he wrote the Philippians, saying, I know this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. If he had said, this will turn to my salvation because I have the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Paul would have been an extraordinary individual. But Paul realized whether or not the bountiful supply of the Spirit would reach him depended on the prayers of the saints for him. And he was suffering there because he knew there was discord in Philippi which discord, especially when it's among sisters, because they're deeper than brothers, affects the life condition of the body very much. And if that is happening, and they're the only church remembering him, and he's living in the body, and dependent on the body, he knows he won't have the supply unless they pray. It's not an accident. The word order there, this will turn to my salvation through your petition. 
So to some extent, this year, this has been so real to me. I receive texts, I get cards, I get emails from saints in so many parts of the earth. We are praying, you are in our heart. That prayer releases the bountiful supply of the Spirit in the body. Now on my part, I have to be in union with Christ by being in the mingled spirit, where the body is. So they're in Christ praying. I am in Christ receiving. Then this leads to a profound mutuality. I can only share what I think is the case. And you discern whether this might make sense. By the time Brother Nee was imprisoned, He knew the body. He lived in the body. And members of the body, during his entire imprisonment, prayed for him. And it was the prayer releasing the supply of life in the body that sustained him. He wasn't a hero. He was a member. There are no heroes in the body There are only members in the body. And nothing can withstand the resurrection life flowing in the body of Christ. The Lord said when he prophesied about the building of the church, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So we may testify The enemy fears and detests the building up of the church. There is a war for the building up of the church. His weapon is death. And we are here to testify to him right now. Death does not prevail against the body of Christ in resurrection. This is the Lord's word. You will attack. And the Lord will permit a certain amount of attack. But the church is built. The body exists in the organic union with Christ. And now the enemy meets the embodied resurrection life of Christ. And he cannot win. I've used this illustration many times. Decades ago, I was walking home from a meeting with the brothers in the church, the leading brothers where I was, and I did something I hadn't done since I was a kid. There was a little stone on the sidewalk, and I saw it there, and I just had the urge to kick it. And it went skidding along. Then I walked up to it, Then I kicked it again. I don't know why. It was just fun. (laughs) Then after maybe the third time, I received the following enlightenment. Look, you can kick this stone because it's lying there alone. Take the same stone and cement it into a wall. 
Now kick it. <laughs> what happens? You break your foot. This shows the difference, the immeasurable difference, experientially, and being an individual, we're all living stones. I'm looking at a few hundred dear living stones. But if you're living stones on the sidewalk, when, whenever the enemy feels like it, he'll just kick you around. And he's a perverse being. He likes to do it. He likes to torment us because he's that perverse a person. But when we are part of the building or using other images, we're abiding in the vine or we're in the organic union. We realize, and he may realize, go ahead. Go ahead, touch me. But realize this, when you do, the whole body will react. You touch me, you touch the body. You touch any member, you touch the body. This is what the Lord showed Saul of Tarsus at the moment he was saved. Why are you persecuting me? And the Lord took it one step further. You touch this member, you don't only touch the body, you touch the head of the body. But the point here in Romans 12.5 is experientially and therefore in the realm of reality we are one body only in the organic union with Christ. Now we cannot live the church life in a practical and physical way all the time. Even that long meeting that went on 12 hours, right? And then Eutychus goes into a deep sleep and falls to the floor and Paul stops his message. He said he's okay, his breath is still in him. Then he spoke for another six hours and they broke bread at dawn on Monday morning. Even that marathon-length meeting had to end. But the body of Christ is all the time, everywhere. It's not based upon meetings. It's not based on anything physical. So the enemy could deprive Watchman Nee of every outward thing. Even he earnestly asked them, could he at least have a couple days to attend his wife's funeral? No, he was deprived to the uttermost. No Bible, no fellowship, no meetings, no ministry, no ministry materials. But one thing the enemy could not do, he could not separate him from the body of Christ. He lived in the organic union, and therefore while in that prison in Anwe province, he was in the body and the body was a reality to him. And because he lived that way for 20 years, on the one hand, 
He was sustained through the supply released by the prayers of the saints. On the other hand, through his sufferings, he is touching life in an unprecedented way. And through him, it's flowing into the whole body. Only the Lord knows how much we in the West owe to those 20 years and owe to others who lived that way. So while we are practicing our church life physically, in space, and in time, as ordained by the Lord, the Lord wants us to bring into another dimension where in our spirit, in the organic union, we are also living in another realm. Whether in meetings or not in meetings, it doesn't matter. When I had to be hospitalized last year and let everything go again, it didn't matter if I'm in the ER. It doesn't matter if I'm in a special room for cardiac care. I'm still in the body. I'm still in the organic union. This is what the Lord is looking for. And Paul opens it up to us. You are one body in Christ. Then we read from 1 Corinthians 12, 27, addressed to the church of God in Corinth. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. If you put that verse together with 1 Corinthians 1-2, where Paul speaks of the church of God, which is at Corinth, you will then see that a local church by nature is a local expression of the body of Christ. Therefore, simply by being in a local church, we are in the body of Christ because a local church is a practical expression of the body of Christ. But there is a difference viewed from experience between being in the body you could say, by our standing, by our position, and being in the reality of the body. But we need both sides. We need the side of our union with Christ in which we discover the reality of the body in this union. At the same time, we need to be in an actual and practical, genuine local church that exists as an expression of the body of Christ and work out and live out this body life in this church which, to say the least, will be less than perfect. I don't think if I send out a kind of wide-scale email, hundreds of them, describing a locality. Okay, I visited a place. 
And there was divisions among them. And there's confusion in the meetings regarding the gifts of the Spirit. And brothers are suing one another. And some are debating because of their concepts about marriage. Some are drunk at the Lord's table. And some are questioning the resurrection. And almost no one is living in the mingled spirit. Then would you find it easy to say, that's the church of God. You say, how can that be a church? That's not a church. They're not good enough to be a church. One of the things that astounded me the most as I'm with Brother Lee and he's giving all the life studies, he said Corinth was a typical local church. And now I can say anything happens. All kinds of things happen in the church life. We're, we, it's not a utopia. I try to help the trainees in Anaheim see the difference between being a visionary and being an idealist. An idealist has a concept about the way something's supposed to be. Say the church. This is what a real church is supposed to be. And according to his reading of the Bible, this is it. And now I come into the Lord's recovery with this ideal. And at first I think, this is it. Then you wake up and discover you're in Corinth. And all this is going on. Then you say, this can't be the church. You're making a serious mistake. The mistake is taking condition as a criterion of whether or not this group of believers is a church, instead of the standing. Well, I can't go into detail now on the ground of the church. The point is, whether one is married may not depend just on what is the state of the marriage now. There's a standing. There's something official. There's something real. So we are now really in a particular situation. We're on the spiritual side. We want to live, learn to live in union with Christ, to touch the reality of the body of Christ. And then the Lord has ordained that we pursue this together in local churches with people of all kinds of dispositions, temperaments, this and that, and putting us all together, and you have to have a vision to keep you here for the rest of your life, because if you're an idealist, you will say, there's, there's not, a love, not enough love here, which usually means there's not, a, not enough love for me, right? There's not enough love for me, so therefore they're not a church. In the early years when we put out affirmation and critique, we had someone write, and he found fault with our journal because there wasn't enough love. 
Well, affirmation and critique is not about love. It's about war for the truth, okay? So Romans 12 makes it clear we need to be in union with Christ to be in the body. 1 Corinthians 12 makes it clear that today the body of Christ is lived out in local churches which consists of believers in various stages of experience and process. And it's actually a human impossibility. Now, we're going to go on to knowing the body in life and in practice. So let me try to summarize the first section. I think this may be helpful to get an overview, and then when we read the outlines, we can get the details. When you believed into the Lord, whether you knew it or not, eternal life came into you. We believe into the Son. We have eternal life, which is the divine life. And this life caused our spirit to be born of God. Even more, in Romans 8.10, Paul tells us, the spirit, referring to our regenerated spirit, is Life. That's what he says. He didn't say it's living. He didn't say it's alive. He said it is life. So every one of us has in our spirit the divine eternal life. The life that is in Christ and the life that is Christ whether we know it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, we have another life in us in addition to our natural created human life. That's what regeneration is. It is receiving another life, the divine life, in addition to the human life. So we first need to realize that we have Christ as life in our spirit. We actually have another person in us. I got saved a couple weeks before I turned 16. About a month later, I had a realization that I had no one to help me. Not the minister, nobody. I said to myself, there's another person in me. I use that expression. Another person. And I knew it had to be the Lord. But I didn't know I had a spirit. I didn't know that Christ could dwell in me as the spirit. I just had that initial realization. I don't know what would have happened if I had been a 16-year-old new believer in the church in Montreal and I go to the high school meeting and I bring up the matter to a serving one, and to all of the saints, 
You know, I received the Lord six weeks ago. I believed in him. Now I have the feeling there's another person in me. Then you all can help me. Yes, Christ himself. How can he be in me? He has a body of flesh and bones. Yes, he does, but he's in you as the life-giving spirit. Well, where is he? He's in your spirit. In my what? In my spirit. Where is that? Well, we don't know exactly, except it's not here. It's not here. It's in here at the center of your being. Well, I hope that to some degree you know that you have eternal life. The Apostle John wrote his first epistle. He said, I I write these things, that you may know that you have eternal life. You have this life in you right now. Do you know this? Do you realize this? Okay. That's the basis for what's coming. The life we all received is Christ as the life of the body of Christ. That the life in our spirit is the life of the body. There is really no such thing as the life of a member. Like all my fingers. You can't say that my two index fingers have their own life. They've got a life right in here. It just belongs to them. And the thumb thinks it's something and somebody because it believes, well, I have a thumb life. The life in our body by its nature is flowing. It's the body that has the life. The members have the life because they're members. If any member is severed from the body within a matter of seconds, it will have no life in it. If the member had its own life, it wouldn't matter whether it's severed or not. So we all have in our spirit Christ as life, who is the life of the body. This means that the life we have received is a body life circulating. Following from this is this life being the life of the body has a consciousness of the body. Because it has a consciousness of the body, not of the member, but of the body, it makes us aware of the body as a reality. But, it takes much, and I'll outline this briefly, much in our actual experience of the Lord and our experience of life in the Lord for us to be able to honestly say, I have a body consciousness. 
So we may wonder, why is that? We have the life of the body. The life of the body has the consciousness of the body. We, we have to know the actual situation. Whether you're on the verge tonight of entering into this experience, or whether it will be a light that will guard your path in ten years from now, I owe it to you. We are tripartite beings, right? Let's say this way, body, soul, and spirit. Three-dimensional, like three concentric spheres. Can we use this image? It's like if you've seen one of these Russian dolls, there's a big doll, you unscrew the head and there's another doll and on and on it goes. So we have our bios and our bodies are quite capable of giving us sensations and feelings. Like jet lag, when it hits, it's an irresistible wave and your body succumbs to it. So in our body, there are all kinds of feelings. Then within the sphere of the body, there's the soul with the natural life with all kinds of thoughts going on, feelings going on, intentions going on. Then within the soul is the spirit, wherein is Christ as life, who is, which life is the reality of the body. The reason nobody, okay, zero, nobody in the beginning can be conscious of the body because the consciousness in the spirit is entirely buried under the consciousness that's in the soul and in the physical body. And so practically speaking, there is no body. There is a church because we can substantiate that. That's physical and we enjoy the Lord together and we love each other and we, we serve together. But actually it seems there's no body. To us there's no body. So here's what has to happen. And here's what will happen. Okay, I'm not threatening. It just has to happen. On one side, our spirit, which is the inner man, needs to be strengthened with power until it becomes the strongest part of our being. Okay, you may not know, but your spouse will know, or others close to you will know. You may not know what is the strongest part of your being. For some brothers, it's the mind. Like a steel trap. They react with the mind, the reasoning, the intelligence, da-da-da, da-da-da, and they're articulate, and the words flow out. Others, 
It's the emotion. And not just sisters. It's the emotion. You just react with your feelings. That's the strongest part. Then you meet a strong-willed person. Whoa. Now you encounter this will. So we've got a lot of stuff in our soul. Plus a body that may not be disciplined. So what is going on is that the activity of the natural life is causing the consciousness of the body in our spirit to be submerged to the point that you very rarely, I wouldn't say never, but very rarely touch it. So life, in our experience, needs to progress in stages. And now, I'm very forthright in fellowshipping with the fourth-term trainees. And we have revised one of the classes in the Boston Extension. Because I tell the trainees, this is where you are in the experience of life. You will define yourself backward because of humility. The first stage is you're regenerated and you clear the past. You did that. The second stage, you consecrate. You begin to deal with sin, with the world, and with the conscience. Then you know the anointing somewhat and the will of God somewhat. You can pass through this from the moment you're saved to the end of this second stage in two or three years. And so you trainees are now about to enter the third stage of the experience of life. Your entire spiritual future rests upon getting through this stage. I come from a generation where very few made it through. Whether they left or whether they stayed, they're stranded in the second stage. So here's what happens. In the third stage, the Lord is now turning you inward to help you realize All our real problems are problems in our own being. With the flesh, with the self, and with the natural constitution. So you are advancing. In order to deal with anything, we have to know that thing. If a doctor is to operate on me or care for me, there has to be the exact diagnosis Otherwise, you don't know what to do. You're hopeless. So knowing the body in life is the result of the experiences in the third stage of the experience of life. And the order is an organic order dealing with the flesh. You have to know what it is. So I warned the trainees... You think now that you are getting worse. 
because your flesh is being exposed to you. No, you're not getting worse. You were always this bad. But you had to deal with the outward things first, which you have been doing. Now it's being manifested so you know what it is, and then you know what to do. Same thing with the self. The self is the enemy of the body. Well, we have to deal with this enemy. We either do or don't. So you go through a stage where the self is exposed to you. Then you learn what to do. Then the natural constitution. While this is happening in us, the Spirit is breaking through all the suppressing factors in us. All the things that are burying the consciousness of the body. You're following me? So especially what's in the self and what's in our natural makeup. So while our spirit is being empowered, and because we love the Lord, we're opening our heart to Him and praying for Him to make home in our heart. The Lord is working on us through the discipline of the Spirit. Then He's saving us inwardly in life so that we know, okay, we all have the flesh. We all have the self. We all have the natural life. And the Lord, when He enters this stage, whatever He does, He is thorough. Okay? He is thorough. He is detailed. He is unrelenting. So we have the experiences we need. And then there's the breaking of the shell. The subduing of the natural life. And then something happens spontaneously. The life of the body floods our consciousness. It's been there all along. And then I realize, I'm a member. I'm a member. I'm a member in the body. Don't try to figure out what member you are. I'm just a member in the body. And now I'm touching. I feel like I'm in another realm. Not only another realm, another universe. Another dimension. Welcome to the universal body of Christ. Where the experiences of all the saints, Paul's, Peter's, John's, Luther's, Calvin's, Darby's, Madame Guion, Brother Lawrence. You are now entering in this realm and it's all yours. It's all in the spirit of the body. That's how you overcome. All the messages come from the body. They don't come from a brother working in isolation. I sent a, an email to an older sister very short, I said, we, we, meaning you and I and others, we have finished the outlines on Exodus. Another sister approached me after a prayer meeting a couple years ago. She said, I've been writing outlines. I said, exactly right. It's all a body matter. It's not an individual having all of this and this kind of memory and doing all of this as an individual, it's all coming from the body. 
it's being worked out through the body, then it will be ministered to the body. That's when, when some ask Brother Lee, how can you always have something to speak? It's inexhaustible. Because it comes from the body. The life is in the body. The supply is in the body. The strength is in the body. The faith is in the body. The love is in the body. Everything I've needed all this year is in the body, released by prayers. And I simply live as a member in the organic union and be in a practical local church and just live through this bountiful supply. And then respond by caring for the body and ministering to the body in this deep mutuality. So, only the Lord's Spirit knows and the shepherd of your soul knows where you are in the experience of life. That book is very helpful in giving us a map. We have to deal with the outward things first. So I came into the church life. Zero knowledge of life. So for weeks, light is going off in me. And I remembered, oh no, I owe Brown's Drugstore. Why? Because when I was 10, I had a dime of my own. And I had permission from my parents to get an approved kind of comic book. They were very strict. You could be Donald Duck, but none of these horror things, crime things. So I went to Brown's Drugstore. I was 10. And there are two comic books I wanted, both. But I had one dime. So believe it or not, I slipped one comic book under the other, lined it up perfectly, walked up to the counter, pressed my thumb on it to hold them together and deceived the cashier that I had only one comic book, paid the dime, made it out. So I survived that. Then I had to get it home. Now, maybe in this part of Canada, I don't know the architecture of the houses, but once upon a time, houses were built with something called a milk box or a milk chute. <clears throat> and there were milkmen. Now we have to call them milk persons. Okay. <laughs> and so there's a door on the outside and a door on the inside. So we put in the used and empty bottles and he would take them and put in the new bottles. And I said, aha, I will slip the stolen comic book into the milk chute, and I will come in the house, then when I have opportunity, I will stealthily creep down the steps, open the inside door, extract the hidden comic book, and make haste for my room. So I, I opened the inside door, I took out the comic book, and my mother appeared. She said, you got two comic books. So I'm terrified. And she said, you bought it with your own money. So now I lied. Yes, I used my own dime. I forgot about it. Seventeen years later, 
I'm in my early days, very early days in the church in Los Angeles, and brothers are helping me experience life. And I am clearing the past under the shining of light. And I remembered the whole thing. So I had to confess that and make restitution. There's a certain way I could make restitution. My point is that without going through the second stage and the first, if you don't deal with the world, you'll never deal with the self. If you don't deal with sin, you'll never deal with the flesh. But many dear saints are stranded at the second stage, and so they end up being very proper, ethical, moral, good, local church people. Spiritual in quotes. But they're really Eagle Scouts. So then, there's no body. There's just the church life filled with ethical people. God doesn't want that. So the life in us and the Lord shepherding in us will bring us into a stage which is a major pivot. It's a major turn. Here is where our being is being addressed by the Lord through his salvation in life. Dealing with the flesh, dealing with the self, dealing with the natural constitution, dealing with the spirit, accepting the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And it reaches a certain point where we don't know where it came from. We realize the body is real. It's real. I'm touching it. I'm in it. I'm feeling things. This is not my own pain. There's no reason for me to feel pain. But I feel the pain of another member. I'm experiencing phenomenal joy. There's no reason for me to experience that much joy. I am receiving the grace through other members. It's all I can say is, it's real. It's another dimension. It's another universe. And this is where we're all headed. This is the goal of God's economy, the goal of the Lord's recovery. And then we come to know the body in life, meaning the life in us is now teaching us what the body is, when we're living in the body. Now I fellowship. Why? Not because in the local church you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to fellowship. Don't be independent. That's a behavior. That's etiquette. That's manners. That's culture. I fellowship because I cannot live without it. I cannot live without the circulation. I cannot live without the saints' prayers. They cannot live without the ministry of the Word. Then you can't be individualistic anymore. You just can't. You're in another sphere 
and Brother Lee, and then in this sphere, there are principles that govern the whole operation. Not principles like laws passed by Parliament, but organic laws. And you just come to know how to be here, how to live here, what fellowship is, what transparency is, what genuineness is, what real love is, what a God-man life is. And there's such a longing in God and to some extent in your brother's heart that we would just be moving in this direction. It's not a problem if we're not in this reality tonight as long as we're moving in this direction. And if we're moving in this direction, then the Lord can easily shepherd us. But if we're not moving, the Lord's not going to give, give up on us. He's not going to be angry at us. But he'll have to work on us just to get us going again. But how good it would be if we would see something, if we would touch something, even in a little two-day conference in which when we're alone with the Lord, we can offer up a prayer like this. Lord, I have to know the body. Please give me the experiences that I need. Cause me to grow in life. Enable me to know the body. I want to live in the reality of the body. Then I just add this. I've observed this in a number of cases. <clears throat> Brothers, when they were young in their 20s, their consecration was absolute. Nothing was held back. Then for maybe 40 years, the Lord did not get through in them. They were never broken. They never reached maturity. But the Lord remembered their consecration. So he allowed them at the very end of their lives to have certain experiences, generally with health, but not limited to that. And honoring their consecration, he got through. He penetrated. He gained them. And then they died. What a difference it would be as it was with someone like Brother Lee and Sister Lee if 40 or 50 years before you finish your course you have the breakthrough. Then you can spend the rest of your life on the one hand exploring this vast realm on the other hand Simply serving the body. Without members like this, the Lord has no way to go on to the end. That's why I very much appeal to all of us to have the proper view and feeling regarding the various ages. 
Yes, we have the young adults. We have a view of the future of the recovery. We like the young adults to learn by doing. But the young adults can't do this. They're not this yet. They need to know that. The Lord's recovery needs not only older saints. Everybody gets old. But older saints who are mature, they live in this reality. They are channels of life in the body. And then everyone younger, every other generation, they realize, I'm going to be just like that. I'm not there now. I don't have to be there now. But the presence of such a person testifies to me We can all make it. We can make it here. We can make it now. And it's not mainly about my being an overcomer, although I want to be. And it's not mainly about my inheriting the kingdom, although I want to. It's mainly about the Lord's heart's desire being fulfilled in this age of the church, that He will actually have it. So these are some matters related to this message. Now, if I, as I read through the outline, in maybe about 20 or 25 minutes, some of the words on the page, I think, will make more sense because you already have something presented to you. We need to know the body in life. That means in the divine life, which is the life of the body, which life is in your spirit. The body of Christ is formed by Christ as life in us. So it's not all of us put together. We're the assembly. The body is Christ in all of us. That's how the body is formed. This life mingles with us to become the body of Christ. So imagine the bread on the table signifying the physical body that was broken, the mystical body that's universal. One one bread. The bread is broken and we all take a piece. Now the bread still exists but not as a loaf on the table, but as portions in all of us. And the God who sees inwardly now sees the bread in us. It's that bread in us which is the body. It's that Christ in us which is the body. The life in us is not a member life, It is a body life. There must be someone here who knows how long does it take for blood to circulate through all the body and then come back. Not very long. But the life in the body is always flowing. That's its nature. The member does not have life in and of itself. The member has life because it's part of the body. 
And so the life is always flowing. We are all one in this life. This oneness in life is the mystical body of Christ. That is why we need to know what life is in us. We need to know the difference in us between ourself and Christ. We need to know the difference in us between the soul life and the divine life. B, knowing the body in life is the result of our, spirit, our experience of life and spiritual growth. So, it's somewhat like a professor from a university talking to an advanced placement class of high school students. They're 16 years old. They need to do their undergraduate work, then go to graduate school. But he gives them a view of what a doctoral program is like and what you do and what you attain once you pass your qualifying exams and you write your dissertation and you defend your dissertation. And here you are, you're only 16. And it's okay to be 16 when you're 16. And you'll be 16 until you're 17. And that's also okay. But you realize, I'm going to pursue that course. And it's attainable. I'm doing well in high school. I may have advanced placement when I go to the university. I finish in three years. Apply to a top doctoral program. It's five years. Pass my qualifying exams. Get my dissertation topic approved. Write it. Then I give the public defense. And then I'm a PhD. Well, it may be a little like that. If we're not there, this is your destiny. Every believer will be like this at the end. That's the God-predestinated course. Decided in eternity past. You didn't check with you. Would you like to be holy as God is holy? Would you like to have the divine sonship? He didn't ask you. He's God. He chose you. He predestinated you. That's it. Now you're on the bridge in time, and this is happening, and eventually there'll be the new Jerusalem, the consummation of the body, everyone is mature, everyone is perfected, everyone is glorified. So we have limited options. Concerning whether it happens, we have no choice. The only choice we have is when it happens. Either now or in the next age. Because this is ordained by Kate. God. God. Not just by the Savior, by God in His sovereignty, by God acting as God. I have chosen you to be part of this for eternity. Now in time you exist, and I'm accomplishing this in you. If you let me do it now, you will be an overcomer. If you don't let me do it, 
then I will find those who will be open to me, wherever they are. I'm no respecter of persons. If he doesn't get through in North America, you believe me. He just may blast open Africa from north to south. He's no respecter of persons. He will find the people on the earth in this age who will let him do this. And then he will put them on the track of the experience of life and spiritual growth in order to to know the body and touch the reality of the body We must progress in the experience of life and the growth of life. I have a granddaughter who's going on 10. And she has not yet come to me. She loves her grandpa. She she hasn't yet come to me and say, Grandpa, I'm not worthy to be a Kangas. I, I I can't drive a car. My dad can fly an airplane. I can't fly an airplane. I can't play basketball the way my older brothers play basketball. She's only nine plus. Then her parents are in their middle 40s, and then their grandpa is above that. It's so normal to be together with everyone where they are. But you are where you are with the realization. So Elisa would say, I'm going to be like mommy. I'm going to grow up to be a woman like my mommy. I really love my mommy. And she's a teacher. She's a very good teacher. She's a good wife. She's my dad. And then you just, she's in fourth grade. And so, amazingly, she'll be in fifth grade. She'll be 10 until she's 11. But you know how fast the time goes, how fast it goes. So just be at rest where you are. Don't beat yourself up for being where you are. But please realize, you want to be living in motion. You want to have the sense that you are progressing you are growing. You're advancing. Two, only after we have reached the fourth stage in the spiritual life can we know the mystery of the body of Christ. <clears throat> so the third stage ends with these dealings and then being filled with the Spirit. And the fourth stage begins with knowing the body. Now you're in another universe. You know the body, you know ascension, you know reigning, and you know warfare. Now you're in the heart of it. Now you're eligible for the warfare. Now you can pray in ascension. Now you can really intercede at the golden incense altar. Now you reign in life. Even over death, you reign in life. This just comes effortlessly. It just comes like the blossoming of a flower. You just have this realization. It's not a doctrine to me anymore. 
It's not even only a vision to me anymore. It's real. Then you stand up. Maybe in a conference or training, one of the feasts, and you testify of this. And others that have been caring for you for years, and they know. As soon as you begin to speak, they know. Even if you didn't speak, they would know. One day, I was with many brothers, having an evening meal with Brother Lee. He's about three feet away from me, across the table, maybe less. Then he's talking about something, and then he says, Ron, Ron, you can't do this anymore because you don't trust yourself. How did you know that? Because I had had a particular decisive, you may say devastating experience related to breaking the trust for the self. So I just couldn't. And he knew that. I kind of think he prayed for it to happen. If he didn't, Sister Lee did. And then we rejoice. Then the Lord sees this developing in all the churches, the saints advancing. And now, well before the end of their course, they're still in their late 40s, maybe the early 50s. They are in the reality of the body. Then they'll spend the rest of their days advancing, advancing. Then the Lord eventually will conclude the overcomers They have built up the body according to my need. It's not universal, but they represent the whole body. They are the built-up body in miniature. So now I consider the purpose of this age has been completed. It will end. I will rapture them. The tribulation will begin. The body will be the bride. The bride will be the army. The army will be the stone. The stone will be the mountain. And the age will change through the kingdom. It all hinges on the reality of the body. Three, in order to know the body and live in the body, we need to deal with the flesh, the self, and the natural constitution. Please don't go back to hospitality. Lock yourself in the room and start dealing with flesh, self, and natural constitution. Don't try to work this out yourself. Go home, have a nice snack, have some sweet fellowship, and have a sweet, deep sleep, and then wake up, either as a hind let loose, or join me in groping the consciousness and figuring out where I am. And simply turn your heart to the Lord, love the Lord, receive his dispensing, and tell him, I want to grow. I want to go on. Please take me on. If we still live according to the flesh and in ourselves and serve in our natural ability, the life of the body, which is Christ himself in us, cannot be manifested. And we cannot 
know the body. So if you still live in yourself, you can't know it. If your husband is still persistently living in himself at home, then there is no body life in your married life. If your husband is learning to live in the Spirit and to deny himself in his relationship with you, your married life becomes part of the body life. And let me tell you, this is the best. This I know. This is the divine and mystical realm. This is the divine and human married life. Paul links it to the body life right there in Ephesians 5. He said this is the great mystery. Only when the flesh has been dealt with, the self has been abandoned, and the natural constitution has been broken, can we touch the reality of the body. So, so it's all going to happen. I hope you don't take it as the threat. If you feel threatened by it, tell the Lord, I'm, I'm scared of this. The Lord said, you and everybody else initially. Eventually, you'll be afraid of being in the self, not afraid of dealing with the self. Eventually, you will praise me for being released from yourself. And you will thank me for bringing you into resurrection. But he knows. He's the shepherd in your spirit. He's shepherding your soul. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. So there are times when I've told him, Lord, I need you to shepherd me according to your understanding of where I am. I don't know. I don't need to know unless you want to enlighten me. But you know. You know. So you just do what you need to do. Whatever. You know my being. You know my makeup. I don't know myself. So I don't know what to ask for. I don't have to know. I just give you the permission. Work in me until the work is done. Please do that. Okay? C, knowing the body is a dealing with individualism. All those who do not know the body are individualists. They just don't have the sense of needing fellowship. They just make decisions as if there were no body at all. It's not as if they're rebelling against the body. Practically speaking, there isn't any. Okay, I just feel to do this. I have the leading to do this, so I do it. But when Brother Benson Phillips has the sense in his spirit that the work may go in this direction, the last thing he will do is act independently. He will pray, then he will have thorough fellowship because he knows the body. He cannot be individualistic. He cannot be independent. It's not a matter, you have a list of rules, I want to live the body life. Rule number seven, no individualism. So today I will not be individualistic. But the prayer itself reeks of individualism. And you, you will not even remember it 
by the end of the day, you, you can't work it out. It's when the body is formed and you know you're part of it, you just spontaneously live as a member. The proofs that we know the body is that we are unable to be individualistic. That my arm just cannot be individualistic. My feet, maybe they should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the flattest feet on record. I'm glad I wasn't born in Canada where you have to skate that my ankles bend in like this. My ankle bones are on the ice. But my two feet are functioning in the coordination of the body to keep me up here for about 80 minutes. We're nearing the end. They just can't be independent. So it's not the matter, I'm going to behave differently. That, that's self-improvement. That's all together in the wrong realm. Let life grow in you. And this growing life will deliver you from all of this. We can discern those who are not in the body. So please don't come to the summer training and figure, oh, all these co-workers and brothers here got laser beams. No, no one is going around spying on you. We're just, you're just aware. Like here's a new one, and you, you're just aware this one isn't consecrated. You don't condemn them for not being consecrated. Now you care for them. And we recognize the authority of Christ the head revealed in the order of the body. Okay, there's no organization, but there is order. And serious mistakes have been made in our actual history, though you may not know how to identify them, with not accepting the order in the body. Co-workers in China, a number of them, never accepted the ministry being transferred to brotherly. They thought they had something. They violated the order. The body has an order. It's not a hierarchy, but it's an organic order. We need to know the body in practice. A local church is an expression of the body of Christ in a particular locality. The one universal church, the body of Christ, becomes the many local churches, the local expressions of the body of Christ. So the church in Montreal, the host church, is a local expression of the body of Christ. Isn't it marvelous that in Toronto, there is a genuine local church, a local expression of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ knows who is the church in Toronto and what group is not. It's so clear. So clear. And we remember that elders' training, when the decision was made, the faithful ones never left the standing. The unfaithful ones did. So the faithful ones separated. It wasn't a division. 
to continue standing on the ground of oneness. So I would now like to take a little risk and speak that for this part of Canada, the churches here should expect to receive unprecedented blessings. Halifax, blessed. Hamilton, blessed. St. Catharines, blessed. Local expressions of the body of Christ. The unique body of Christ is expressed as local churches. When the body of Christ, which is outside of time, breaks through time and space and is manifested, it appears as a local church. Every local church is a part of the universal, unique universal body of Christ, a local expression of the body. So one sign of a genuine local church is that it blends. It has fellowship. For if we know the body, in our consideration the body will be first and the local churches will be second. This is practical, especially among those taking the lead. So let's say the church in Anaheim establishes a new district, we build a new hall, and some brothers want to have a racquetball court, a basketball court, and an Olympic-sized swimming pool for the young people. And they're quite strong on this. Well, we have to realize that what we do in Anaheim especially if we do something like that, will go viral as soon as it's made. And all over the earth, parts of the body will have feelings. And so we need to consider how the body as a whole will feel about what we're considering doing locally. We shouldn't say, don't mess with us. We're the local church. We do what we want. Well, you don't know what you are. You're in the body, and what you do is going to affect the whole body, and the body will have a response. So why don't you honor that and care for that? In the Lord's recovery, there is only one work, the work of the body. What we are doing today is not our personal work, but the work of the economy of God, the building up of the body of Christ. So I can testify to you, I didn't come here at your invitation because I have a personal work. I'm trying to accomplish something for my own interest in the Lord's recovery. I'm not that. We're just part of one work with one goal to build up the body of Christ as the preparation of the bride of Christ so that our beloved bridegroom may come back. Do you know when I would, you know where I would really, really, really like to meet together with you again? I would like to meet together with all of you at the wedding dinner of the Lamb. Let's build up the body, prepare the bride, and then let's get married. Amen. Okay. Please direct us from this point on, all right?